Welcome to In the Spotlight, a regular podcast from the Witham, Barnard Castle's Community Arts Centre. Hello, Stuart Laundy welcoming you along once again to In the Spotlight, the weekly podcast from the Witham, Barnard Castle's Community Arts Centre. Plenty to pack in again this week, and we welcome along to the podcast for the first time a member of the acting profession. Alison Skilbeck will be along in a little while to chat about the critically acclaimed play that she's bringing to the Witham in the autumn. With news of another theatre show that's coming along to the Witham as well, and big news for fans of 80s pop with a duo who will be coming along to the Witham uh, next year. you might be wondering why I've chosen to play this rather splendid piece of jazz music to introduce the programme this week. Well, there is a connection with our special guest, Alison Skilbeck, but you'll have to bear with me because it's a little convoluted. Well, back in the 80s, Alison was a member of the cast of a fantastic comedy drama from ITV called The Biderbeck Affair, which was written by Alan Plater and also starred James Boland, Barbara Flynn, Colin Blakely and Dudley Sutton. Um, I can't uh, can't recommend it highly enough. This was, in fact, the theme tune from the programme written by Big Spiderbeck, and it's called Crying All Day. Alison's character in the programme is something of a temptress, a femme fatale, and when I caught up with her a few days ago, I began by asking her what she remembered of her role as Helen of Tadcaster in the Biderbeck Affair. In fact, it was it was 84. It was ah. a long time ago. And it was sort of middle of the minor strike and things. In fact, I remember meeting Arthur Scargill in, in a makeup room. He was very nice. Um, but I've, I've made a lifelong friend of the wonderful Barbara Flynn. And until he died some years ago, Alan Plater and his, and his wife were, became great friends as well. All wonderful people. So I remember that particularly. And I remember also filming by a swimming pool in a posh house in Ilkley, I think. Do you remember with, with, my, with my father? I mean, I was on a losing wicket. You know, it was quite yeah. obvious that, you know, I was the ex-fiancé right from the start. Mm. I didn't see quite where I fitted in with a, with a very posh northern accent, much honed by my time at Scarborough Theatre in the round. Doing um doing that no it was it was a wonderful series and it was the first of oh there were about three weren't there yeah it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a trilogy I've been on to ITVX so I know I've, yeah. I know all this yeah. there's three series now I, I I don't remember too much about the other I'm, I'm halfway through the second series now but the first series was yeah. just an absolute delight um it was the lovely, way it, wasn't it? everything was interwoven and yeah. it all came together at the end was just magnificent that little hut on the allotments where they yeah. met. It actually had the same kind of gentle feel that something like Detectorists has now, yes. I think. Yeah. yeah. So was it a Love good it. time? Do you, do you look back with it very fond memories? Very fond memories, very fond memories indeed, particularly because of friendships that, that have lasted, you know, yeah. um, with, with the wonderful Bar Flynn and, uh, and Alan Plato, who I think was superb. Well, that, that's enough of that. Let's let's talk about um, the real reason that we're uh, we're doing the podcast this week. Mrs. Roosevelt flies to London, which um, is a uh, a single handed play that you written, and it, it's your performance as well. Just just tell us how it all came about. 
I will. First of all, uh, Stuart, I have to slightly correct you. The pronunciation is Roosevelt. Oh, right. right. And everybody, everybody, obviously, you read Roosevelt and you go Roosevelt, but the pronunciation is Roosevelt. And they're very stickler. They're sticklers oh. about that. Um, how it came about was that I'd already written one one woman show, which was sort of out of my own head. It was about four wildly different women who all shared a, a postcode, which is my own. Um, so I'd created that and it had gone really well at Edinburgh in 2008, first of all. And I did it in many other places. And then um, people said to me, why don't you write something about somebody famous? So I started researching queens and scientists and uh, all sorts of people who never quite gelled with me. I mean, Catherine the Great sort of been done too much, you know, Elizabeth, you know, also too much coverage. Um, and then I knew that it, ha it had to be somebody that I really sympathised with. And I suddenly hit on Eleanor Roosevelt. And as soon as I started to read about her, I knew I'd found the real thing. I only knew about her because my parents, who were good sort of lefties, had mentioned her as being a, a good egg and a good person. But I didn't know much about her. But then, you know, those articles in the Sunday papers where you have to make up a guest list for a dinner. You know, quite often people go for Buddha, Jesus Christ and Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, and possibly Elton John or whatever. Um, and this is how I, I came to start reading about her. And as soon as I read about her in the British Library, there's so much research, so much stuff, because she was prolific herself. And there are two massive biographies of her, which are superb. And then I thought, how am I going to fit this life into, you know, an hour and 15 max? Then I discovered she was incredibly energetic. She was a sort of power behind the throne to FDR. And, and certainly he, she was his conscience in many ways. But I discovered that she'd made a trip to London during the Second World War, just after the Americans joined. And she'd come over to see, first of all, how the American troops were doing and how British women were managing and what, what they were doing during the war. And it was a three week trip and she refused to have days off and she went everywhere. She talked to everyone. Everyone absolutely adored her. Um, and uh, I suddenly I had this kind of eureka moment in the British Library because this was how I could hang her story. You know, so I have her going around Britain and having sort of moments where she goes into flashback about her own life. And that's how it worked. I had great charts on the wall of the days that she was here and what events could trigger memories of the past. So that's that's how it came about. So how long did how long did it take you to actually do the research part of it rather than the actual writing of the play itself? Yeah. I think I started round about June twenty third, twenty twelve. That's right, June or June or July twenty twelve. Um had a bit of a break in the summer and then in the autumn I was kind of in the library had my eureka moment and actually went to America in November 2012 to the wonderful um, FDR library up in Poughkeepsie quite near the well right by a place called Hyde Park which was the family home on the Hudson and they were terribly kind to me and I did loads of research and I went over to Eleanor's cottage on the estate which is called Valkyll and it was the last day it was open for the for the summer or autumn or whatever. And I was shown into her bedroom and it was just magical. And um, so just after Christmas 2013, my husband really locked me in the attic and said, now you have to write. <laughs> so, so that's when I got down to the writing, which I suppose took about six weeks on and off. And um, I first performed it at RADA, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, where I do quite a lot of work. I first performed it there. And then sequence of 
gigs happened after that. Hi, this is Sheila. Hi, this is Jim. And we're volunteers and you're, you're listening, listening to In the Spotlight, the Withens podcast. And this is Stuart Laundy chatting to actress Alison Skilbeck about her play Mrs Roosevelt Comes to London, which is coming to the Witham in September. I first did it in Edinburgh in 2016, having done it in London 2015 and all over Ireland in 2014. But last year I revived it and a great friend came to see it and he said, Ali, I thought I'd come and see it, you know, out of loyalty, but I can't believe how it's kind of deepened. I mean, the wonderful thing about doing a one-person show is that it kind of grows with you. And uh, I, I just think it's kind of cohered and I've learned to time things better. I've learned to breathe, to pause. And of course, look at the world situation. Yeah. I mean, Eleanor was such an advocate for peace and democracy and she had big tussles with the Russians, particularly at the UN after the war. And the whole framework of the play, I start with her aged 78, just at the point of dying, really. And the Cuban Missile Crisis is hotting up. So she thinks all her life's work has been pointless, working for peace. And that frames the whole thing. Was there anything in particular that, that triggered you or triggered your decision to revive it? It could have been the, the political situation. It's always very useful to have a show, you know, about someone who's well known. Yes, I, I think it was a feeling that she deserved a, another outing, but particularly after, you know, COVID and the lockdown and all of that. What's the reception been like compared to when you premiered it nearly 10 years ago now, isn't it really? Well, I haven't played it since last, since last summer in Edinburgh. And in fact, I'm going to be in Edinburgh with my new show, which is another one, completely original one, um, called Alison Skilbeck's Uncommon Ground. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm going to find out. And the first time I'll find out will be at the Witham, <laughs> which will be which will be very very interesting. I mean, but the reception last summer was different. I think it was it was much more emotional. Um, I felt because I'd tapped into something. There were quite a, there were quite a lot of tears at the end from the audience. You know, feeling of of hopes dashed, and uh, you know everything that's happened over the last few years since twenty sixteen. And and the war, of course, was raging then a year ago. Yeah. So yes, the reaction was deeper. It was more emotional. People would would wait afterwards and and talk to me. And there was one lovely man who said, "I've been trying to come and see this since 2015, and I finally brought my wife." So so that was nice. <laughs> it's lovely because you know if you believe in live theatre like I do, it's um very heartening. Did you did you wonder during COVID and lockdowns whether you'd ever get back to this stage of of being in front of an audience? I, I suppose I suppose we did. Yes, it's true. I mean, I think people were very people were very strong. I mean, it's extraordinary how we we knuckled down. Ordinary people went went with it. You know, obey the regulations, kept going. Um, my husband had had COVID right at the start, not so bad as he'd have to go into hospital. But you know, I nursed him for a couple of weeks. You know, just water and all that. And of course, you know, we didn't we didn't we had no cure. We didn't know we didn't know what was going to happen. So I suppose we were living moment by moment by moment so yes I, I suppose that did have it, it did have an effect and we did we did wonder if we'd ever ever get back because I wouldn't want you know zoom and virtual to take over no, <laughs> it's no, not the same no. <laughs> it's not the same as you know being in a room being in a breathing space with people and I do talk to the audience you know um because you do in a, in a one-person show there's only you and the audience in the room who are you going to talk to <laughs> much much easier to talk to an audience than to a computer screen i imagine yes yes 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very nice now, Stuart. I, it's nice talking to you. <laughs> I should have I said as well, I, I don't look remotely like Eleanor, um, but I but I try to act her. I mean, she was very tall and chinless and had um, really dreadful teeth. Um, but everyone, she had a wonderful smile and everyone adored her. She was about five foot 11 and she wore silly hats and furs, you know, like they did. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And yeah, just to, just just to clear one thing up, it's got obviously written and performed by Alison Skilbeck, directed by Lucy Skilbeck, but that's ah, no no relation. Am I right? Am no I relation, that absolutely no relation at all. She's the head of acting at RADA. She's yeah. a wonderful director, and we could be cousins. I mean, we're very we, we speak the same language, and um, she's a terrific director. You know, she's prepared to take your script and go. You're going to hate me. You know, <laughs> know that she's going to cut something or whatever. But she's nearly always right. Yeah. No relation, and it's so embarrassing because it looks like kind of um, rather homespun, you know. Yeah. <laughs> my mum made the costumes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that at all. Alison, it's been uh, it's been charming talking to you. I've really enjoyed this one, and thanks for the uh, the Biderbeck affair memories. Not at all. Thank <laughs> and you. We, and have great great success and good luck with Mrs. Roosevelt. Mrs. Um, Roosevelt, like the rose. Like mm. the rose. Um, when she flies, not into London, but into Barnard Castle in uh, September and we shall see you then lovely thank you very much yes my thanks to Alison that was an absolute blast really enjoyed chatting to her the other day and a reminder that Mrs Roosevelt flies to London comes to the Witham on Wednesday September the 27th tickets are on sale now you can contact the box office on 01833 631107 or you can go online to www.thewitham.org.uk Hi, this is Stacey from The Calf, and you're listening to In The Spotlight, The Withams Podcast. Well, wasn't Alison Skilbeck absolutely fantastic? And I can't commend the Biderbeck Trilogy programme, which is available on ITVX, highly enough to anybody. Um, if you've got uh, nothing much to do at the weekend, give it a go. Uh, splurge on the box set. It's absolutely brilliant. Anyway, enough of that. Um, I'm joined once again by Jane Woodward, the marketing officer at The Witham, for a look at what we've got coming up and what we've got booked in this week. Jane, how are we doing? I'm all right, Stuart. What about you? Not bad at all. And as we're in a theatrical mood this week, um, news of uh, a new production, a new theatre production that we've got coming next year. And um, for, for the, before we start, this is not the classical E.M. Forster, is it? It's not. It has the same title, Howard's End, but it's Howard with an E, not an A. Is we're, that a clue? We're talking Frankie Howard here, aren't we? Titter ye not, ooh her, missus. <laughs> Very good, Stuart. Very good impression there, yes. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more about Howard's end. <laughs> so this is a hugely acclaimed play by Mark Farrelly. Um, and people might remember that Mark actually came back in 2021. Right. This is his solo show, Quentin Crisp. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Yes. So this is uh, Mark Farrelly's play that he has written and he stars in it. He doesn't star as Frankie Howard. Um, he's playing Frankie Howard's secret partner, Dennis Hamer. All right. So the play covers the period from 1950 to Frankie's death in 1992. And it's packed with laughter, hugely entertaining. Yeah, I mean, so, people, I mean, it's 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 hard to believe it's thirty years since Frankie Howard died. I mean, he was a huge favourite in our house amongst my mum and dad. They they thought he was just brilliant. So obviously, we were brought up with that kind of humour yeah. as well. So people, I don't think now nowadays won't realise just quite how big a star he was. 
Exactly, exactly. And uh, obviously, we've we've asked Lewis, who's with us in the room, who Frankie Howard is. Does he does he know who he is? And and just got a, a blank look. I think uh, I think I think YouTube's going to get uh, a bit of a hit later on while, uh, while he does, it, does a bit of a research there. <laughs> I don't know. So that's coming in March next year. Yeah, that'll be fabulous. I'm really looking forward to that one. And um, we've got tickets on sale now, haven't we? We have indeed. Yes. Excellent. Now then, this is much more my sort of thing. Can't wait for this one. Uh, May next year. Who've we got booked in? Well, we have the Scottish pop duo Hugh and Cry. I'm going to withdraw my labour of love. I'll stop now. Yes, it's a duo, Stuart. So there's not room for a third. Mm. You, you could have joined in there. <laughs> Hugh and Cry. I mean, I re- oh man, I remember them from back in the day. They're brilliant. They are. They are. And they're coming with that. This is their vocals and piano tour right so it's not the whole band i bet um, they still do labor of love though i think they will i think they'll do a lot of their popular ones as well as uh, some new ones new music as well excellent can't wait for that one when are they coming friday the 10th of may and tickets are on sale so get them early because i think it will be a sellout i'm pretty sure that'll be popular it will i promise not to sing anymore now <laughs> uh, right what have we got coming up in the next week so, uh, we have a new exhibition in oh, our yes, gallery. Yes, we do. We do. Um, this is called In Retreat, and it features leather sculptures, objets d'art, leather journals and paintings by the artist Mark Rowney. That sounds something a little bit different. Definitely different. He's uh, worked with the fashion designer Paul Smith, producing mm. accessories. Um, and, it's yes, it's definitely going to be a very different different exhibition the work is ornate intricate it's definitely worth a look and it's free entry to the gallery and you can meet the artist on sunday the 9th of july that'll be good i suspect it'll be popular once people have had a chance to have a look around definitely definitely so look out for that one and that that exhibition starts on it starts from the 4th of july right and goes goes right through july excellent stuff well worth a look pop in uh, when you're passing what's next indeed uh we have another weekend of the summer festival yes <laughs> who have we got lined up this time uh we're talking so, the the july the 8th, 8th and yes. 9th this time right yes. so july the 8th saturday the 8th of july we have at 11 a.m crash jones who has ah, been before yes. Now, he was, he was an interesting chap because I remember putting him in the paper when I worked for the Mercury. And uh, his greatest ambition in life was to play a gig at the Witham. And yep. he's played, since then, he's played several. Several. So he's back again. Excellent. And then on the afternoon, mm-hmm. we've got another returning artist, Stella Anderson. Ah, excellent. Stella's back. Brilliant yes. stuff. She's really, she's a, she's a top, top singer and a top, top pianist. Yes. She came in February and did a concert for us. So she's, she's coming again in the garden. Brilliant stuff. And Sunday? Sunday, it's another returning artist, local singer-songwriter Kirsty McLaughlin. Ah, Kirsty's coming back. I I bet she's finished for the summer now down at the university. She's down at, uh, oh, is it Cambridge or Oxford? Oxford. It's one one of the the big ones anyway. So I suspect she's back up for the summer. So it'll be nice to see Kirsty again. She's brilliant as well. It will. And I think it'll be another packed weekend in the garden, Stuart. Absolutely. Anything else to mention? Anything else? Yes, the Disco Night, which is Saturday the 15th of July. Yes. Uh, that Obviously, we had Andrew Nicholson on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Mm. He is the DJ for the night. Um, tickets are £5. 
the bars open throughout. Um, now, this is going to include 80s music. Quite right, too. As well as 90s music now, hmm. um, which could include a bit of Hue and Cry. A bit of Hue and Cry. So I'll, I'll, I'll sing again Come if you along want. to the Disco Stewart, wear your best 80s gear, and you can, you can bop along. What do you mean, wear me Boogie best? on down. I've been wearing the same gear since the 80s as it is. I don't have to get <laughs> yeah, changed. Yeah, I can tell, I can tell. <laughs> That's charming, that is. (laughs) Anything else? Or is that it? I think that is it. Right. Where can we get tickets for all these wonderful events from? By calling the box office on 01833 631107. And online? www.thewitham.org.uk Brilliant stuff. Jane, thanks very much. We'll see you next time. Bye, Stuart. And it seems only right to finish off the podcast this week with the classic Hue and Cry track, uh, Labour of Love, and I promise not to sing over this one. So until next time, this is Stuart Laundie saying cheerio, and we'll see you again.
for you no more. Thanks for listening to In the Spotlight from The Witham, Barnard Castle's Community Arts Centre. Available on all major podcast platforms. So please give us a follow and leave a comment or listen online at www.thewitham.org.uk. We'll be back soon with another episode.